I'm excited in this series. We've been talking about taking your life to the next level. And, you know, I really believe the word for the year is multiply. And if there's ever someone who multiplied the results in their life, it would be a guy named Solomon. Solomon was not only the wealthiest man in history, uh, but also he was the wisest man in history. And we're going to unpack how did that happen in his life. And in case you're wondering, thinking, yeah, he's probably not as wealthy in today's terms. Now, actually, just let me just put this in perspective. Scholars tell us that based upon what he gave to build the temple, in today's numbers, he would have given $500 billion. So if you can give $500 billion, and how much do you have? Like, just put that in perspective. That would be the equivalent of Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos, and Elon Musk's combined wealth is what Solomon had. I mean, it's incredible what he did and he multiplied that wealth over and over again. And so I want to unpack him, his story a little bit today. There's this great part in scripture in 1 Kings chapter 3 where he has this dream and he, he asks God to give him wisdom. I want to unpack that today and we're going to dive right in. I want to talk today about how to speed up your results. How many of you guys like to speed up results in your life? Wouldn't that be kind of nice to do that? Well, let's unpack how to do that. Check this out. It says in 1 Kings chapter 3. Oh, and by the way, I have a lot of points. So I'm going to go really fast today. You guys ready for that? I have like eight points today, but don't worry. Next week will be pointless to make up for today. Okay, so I'll, I'll do that. But unlike the Cowboys, I will not miss my extra points. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> that just felt good to say. Okay, First Kings chapter three. He says this in his dream. He says, now, O Lord, he says, O Lord, my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous that they cannot be counted. So the first thing we see here that Solomon does that's so incredibly rare, and this explains why God used him so powerfully, is that he admitted his inferiority. He admitted what he didn't know. He admitted, I'm like a child. I don't know what I'm doing. He said, I'm young. I've never been king before. I don't know how to do this. So he admitted to God that he needed God's help, and he became a student. He said, God, show me what to do. Can I tell you right now, if you've got great confidence in what you're doing, that's great, but it's actually a sign you're not doing anything new. Because if you're doing something new, you don't have great confidence. You're scared to death. You're like, I don't know how to do this. That's where the next level is. The next level is doing something you're afraid to do. You're half afraid. You're like, I don't know how to do this. I've never tried this before. That's where your growth is at. If you're super confident in what you're doing every day, that means you're just doing the same thing you've always done. So God wants us to do something that scares us and we don't know what to do. I mean, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. I flew halfway across the world to Nepal. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know the language. I mean, it was crazy. But you know what? God opened doors so powerfully. I'm so thankful I went because he's about to do something huge through us because I, I went through a door I've never been through before. Are you willing to go through a door you've never been through before? God wants us to do that. So admit your inferiority and become a student. Again, be willing to learn and let God use you in a fresh new way. He also said, here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a great nation. What was he saying? He was saying, I realize there's opportunity around me. And so today I would say to you, here you are in the midst of America, one of the greatest economies of all time. Even in our bad economy, it's a good economy. And if you don't believe me, go to Nepal. You look around, you realize we are rich. We are insanely rich. Trust me, I was where there is no wealth. People are starving to death. They do not have clean running water. We are blessed beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, our biggest problem is we eat too much food. We're like, I really got to cut down, right? That's what some of you are like, you took a while to get to church today because you're like, I couldn't figure out which outfit I wanted. I have so many outfits to pick from. I mean, they don't have that problem. 
And so we really are blessed. And so, so what does Solomon say? He says, in the midst of this great nation, I get to be a leader. He recognized his opportunity. Do you realize what you're in the midst of? Maybe for you guys say, in the midst of the fact that I get to go to school and I get to learn. I'm in the midst of a, of a job. Instead of saying, oh, I hate my job and I don't make that much money. You know, I'm kind of low man on the totem pole. Well, that means you're low on the rung, but there's a ladder. That means you can grow, you can climb. So instead of being frustrated, say, God, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this job. Learn to appreciate what you have. Thomas Edison said this, most people miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. And so we miss our opportunities. We have great opportunities right in front of us. So admit your inferiority, become a student again, and recognize the opportunities that you have. Then, then he says this, and this is where the real power comes in. This is what will speed up your results in your life more than anything I've ever seen. This is what sped up the results in my life. And when I don't apply this, I slow down. When I do apply this, it speeds up my life. Here it is. He said this to God. He said, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong for who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours. So God said, what do you need? And he said, would you give me understanding? Would you give me insight? Another translation says, would you give me wisdom? And so number two, seek wisdom and apply it to your goals. Apply it to the purpose God's called you to. Here's another verse on this same point. He wrote this in Ecclesiastes 1. He said, I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What does under heaven mean? It means I look for people who are doing what I want to do. I'm looking for people who have what I want to have. So I can go ask them, how'd you get that? How'd you do that? Sometimes we say, oh, I can't do this. We need to rephrase that in the question and say, how can I do this? And instead of saying, what do I need to do? We need to start saying, who do I need to know? Because someone already has done what you want to do. Someone already has what you want to have. Someone's already become what you want to become. So find them and learn. So where do you find this wisdom today? Here's just some simple ways to find the wisdom. The first is the Bible. We're teaching the Bible every single week here. And so everything I say comes from the word of God. If it's not from the word of God, I don't say it. And so always look for that. So the Bible. Second thing is sermons from successful preachers. Now I want to be real careful here. I didn't just say sermons from preachers. Sermons of successful preachers. People who have accomplished something. Here's another one. Podcasts from successful people. There's a lot of podcasts and they're just a lot of opinions. But I would only listen to the opinions of those who have done something. Sometimes we're listening to people who do not have wisdom. So be really careful. Don't take financial advice from your broke brother-in-law. Not a good idea. My brother-in-law is not broke, so I will take his financial advice, right? But my, my point is, is you want to listen to people who have done something. Books and audiobooks from successful people. And then, of course, mentors who have done what you want to do. And so if you can find someone who's already accomplished what you want and ask them, how did you do this? You can learn a lot from that. So seek wisdom. By the way, next week I continue talking about Solomon because Solomon multiplied what he was given. He was given a lot, but then he multiplied what he was given. So how did he do that? Be sure to be here next week. Next week's message is called advanced achievement is possible for you. And so don't miss next week, but let's jump to what God told Solomon here. This is so powerful. God told him this, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or will ever have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. 
riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow my, me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father David did, I will give you a long life. And the Lord, of course, did that for him. Basically, it says, not only because you asked for wisdom, he says, I'm going to throw in the other things everybody wants. I'm just going to give you riches and fame because you didn't ask for that. I wonder if the fact that we keep asking for things that God's not giving us, couldn't that be God saying, if I gave that to you, it would ruin you. I love you enough not to give you what you want right now because you would excess yourself to death. You would make everything about you, right? And so Solomon recognized that he needed the Lord and therefore God blessed him in a supernatural way, gave him wisdom, gave him knowledge. Did you realize that not only was he incredibly rich, but he was incredibly wise. You know, the queen of Sheba, study the scriptures on this. She comes to see him and it says in scripture, she was, her breath was taken. She was blown away by the opulence of Solomon's wealth. This is a queen of another nation who shows up and is like, oh wow, I'm poor compared to this guy. And then she began to interview him and she realized, now I know why he's so wealthy because he's so freaking brilliant. She interviewed and realized this guy is a genius. And by the way, he cross-pollinated a lot of things. In other words, he didn't just know about wealth. He knew about plant life and biology. He knew about sociology. There's all kinds of psychology. He was brilliant in a lot of different categories. We're going to unpack some of that next week. Be sure to be here for that. I want to show you the scripture here. Would you write this down? Number three, when you can be trusted, God will give you more than you ask for. When you can be trusted. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. This is the message translation. Puts it this way. If you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. If you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? Isn't that a great, great verse. And so you may say, well, how am I a crook? Well, let me just ask you this real quick. Have you ever owed someone money? You ever borrowed some money from someone you owe them and then you see them and you're like, hey man, what's up? Hey, good seeing you. Hey, listen, I know I owe you. I get paid on Friday. I'm going to hook you up. I promise, man, I'll, I'll be by your house. I'm going to take it. You, all of a sudden, it's all about that, isn't it? You didn't say, how's your family? What's going on? Hey, man, what's happening? Hey, did you see, you know, did you see the, the game, the score last night? You don't do any of that. Why? Because when you owe someone something, it changes the relationship. Let me ask you something. Could the reason why God was advancing his kingdom and his great work through Solomon be because Solomon was not in an owing position? Let me just ask you, some of you guys are wanting this series to bless you and maybe it involves finances, but the Bible says we're supposed to bring the tithe. It doesn't say to give the tithe. You can't give what's, what's yours, what's not yours. You have to bring the tithe. You bring back to the Lord the first tenth. Do you owe God that? Have you not been doing that? Because it changed your relationship. This is when you're like, hey, God, I know I'm sorry I haven't given, but I promise I'll do it one day. If I could just make a little money, then I'll do it. It changed your relationship. Or maybe for you, when you pray, your prayers are like this. God, it's been a long time. I know I haven't really prayed to you lately. And the next time you pray, oh God, it's been a long time again. I'm really sorry. And so you never get past the whole, I kind of owe you. And you come to church maybe once every six or eight weeks. You're like, Lord, it's been a long time since I've been here. I'm really sorry. And so you never really advance in your relationship because you always feel like you're in the owing position. Does that make sense? Boy, it got quiet in here. See, I wonder if God has so much more for us. But God's like, if you'll just learn to be faithful, then I can do amazing things and through you. I can do so much more, but you got to get to the point of faithfulness and then I can turn it up. I can do things you never even thought were possible. In fact, Ephesians 3.20, he says, I will do more than you can ever ask, think, or even imagine. I will bless you beyond your wildest dreams if you'll just get on board with me and do what I'm asking you to do. If God can trust you, he can bless you. If God can't trust you, he can't bless you. 
If God can trust you, he can bless you. If God can't trust you, he can't bless you. If God can trust you, he can bless you. If God can't trust you, he can't bless you. Are you getting this? He wants us to be trustworthy. Now, this is 1 Kings chapter 3. How many of you guys want some 1 Kings chapter 3 blessing? I do. Anybody in here? Here's the key. If you want 1 Kings chapter 3 blessing, you got to give God 1 Kings chapter 2 obedience. So let's go back a chapter. And let's see what Solomon did setting up the blessing of God. I'm going to move pretty quickly through this. Are you guys with me still? Everybody with me? Okay, so, so here's the thing. David's about to die. He's on his deathbed. And he says, Solomon, come here, I want to talk to you. He says, Solomon, I want you to listen very carefully. I'm going to tell you next. And he says, Solomon, I love you. I'm so proud of you. Take care of your mom. No, he didn't say any of those things. See, it feels like that's what you usually say. Like, this is like the hallmark moment. Shouldn't you say you're so awesome and I love you and you mean the world to me? And he didn't say that. He says, Solomon, come here. If you don't take care of these five people, the kingdom won't last. Oh, wow. So David goes into full father mode. And he's like, I don't have time to tell you niceties right now. You know I love you. I'm going to skip all that. I need to talk to you. Here's five people you need to take care of. Wow. So if it's it's okay with you today, I'd like to father you today and tell you, if you don't take care of these five qualities in your life, what God wants to do through you won't happen. Are you hearing me? So let's talk about five people, which represent five qualities. And these represent things that either need to live or die in our life. Okay, so check this out. First of all, he says to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 7, he says, there's two sons of Barzillai. Make sure you bless them. Let them live and have a place at your table for them. Now think about this. A place at your table means that every time we have dinner, there's a place at the table set, two empty chairs for those guys that they want to join us. Not like taking a dinner once, but every time you eat, they can eat your table. Wow. That is some serious, like David was like, I owe this guy something. So what did he owe Barzillai? Well, Barzillai, let me tell you, let me back up. Here's what's happened. There's a guy named Absalom, which is one of David's kids. Absalom used to stand at the city gate and people come and say, I want to talk to David. Absalom would say, oh, he's too busy for you, but I'm here for you. You know, he doesn't care about you, but I care for I mean, he was basically turning on his own dad. And then eventually Absalom tried uh, to, to make a coup against his own father and kill his own dad and become king. David got word of it through one of his soldiers. They went and ran to hide. They had no time to prepare for this. They just grabbed David and said, let's go. And they went and ran to hide. On their way out of town in the middle of nowhere, they come across a ranch. Barzillai is there at this ranch, probably just working. And he looks up and he says, King David, to what do I owe this pleasure? Why are you here? He's like, and why are you sweating? What's going on? He says, sorry, I'm on the run. One of my kids turned on me. And he's like, what? He says, yeah, I'm not really prepared for this. Trying to figure out what to do. And he says, okay, David, King, come, come, trust me. Back over here in the corner of my property, there's a cave. Go on in there with all your guys. Take all your stuff with you. And just trust me, stay there. Tonight, I'll bring dinner. So then Barzillai on his own dime feeds David and all his men. And this is not a small group of people. Barzillai is a wealthy guy, but he uses wealth to give a gift to the king in his time of need. So then if you study the scripture, David goes back after, after Benaiah and his other soldiers had killed Absalom, the problem, right? And now he restores his kingdom. He says, bring Barzillai to me. He says, Barzillai, I want to bless you. You took care of me. You took care of my men. I want to give you a gift. And Barzillai says, no, no, I don't want your gift. I, I, I gave that because I care for you. And he said, instead, you know what? If you really want to bless me, why don't you bless my servant? I mean, talk about a guy that just is a giving spirit. Bless my servant. So then years later, Barzillai has passed away. Now his two boys. David's about to pass away. He says, hey, Barzillai blessed me. He would not let me return the favor. 
I blessed his servant, but here's what I want you to do, Solomon. I want you to bless Barzillai's sons. Let them have a seat at the table and take care of them. What does this mean for you and me? This means this. Would you write this down? We need to let generosity live in us. We need to let generosity live. Could it be that the very thing you're asking God to do is to bless you in a financial way? But let me just ask you, are you a generous person? Are you blessing God's work? You know, we're about to have our annual offering in about six weeks. We're tying it directly to the mission work we're going to be doing around the world. Super excited about that. We think we have a real credible shot of reaching hundreds of thousands of people even in the next year. And so, will you be generous towards that? And so, by the way, this is really cool. Because Barzillai was generous to the king, to King David, there was a seat at the table for Barzillai's sons. When you and I are generous to King Jesus, it creates a seat at the table for someone else to find Christ. Isn't that beautiful how that works? Think about that. In fact, someone was generous towards the Lord and that's why you and I are now here. Someone was generous towards the Lord that opened a camp one day that I went to and the guy got saved at. Someone was generous towards the Lord to build a children's church program at the church I grew up in and that's where I know the Lord. Someone was generous in my life and so because of those things, because they gave to the Lord, God's church could continue to flourish and I got to grow up in that. How many of you guys would agree with me that someone blessed what God's doing and now you're here because of that? So you have a seat at the table because of someone else's generosity. So now we have the privilege of returning that favor and say, God, I want to give to you because you have given through other people so I can have a seat at the table. So I want to be generous so that more people have a seat at the table of the king as well. And so let generosity live. Create a seat at the table for someone else. Now look what happens next. There's a guy named Adonijah. Adonijah, sorry. Adonijah was the half-brother of Solomon. He tried to declare himself king. So he, in 1 Kings 1, 5 to 6, he says, I will be king. And so he, again, just like Absalom tried to do, he create, tried to create a coup. He says, I know my dad's about to die, so I'm going to become king. And he goes and grabs a priest and one of the, one of the leading warriors says, hey, you protect me. Bring some boys with you. Priest, you bless me and I'll become king. And so, and of course, what does David say to him? He says, Solomon, you're going to go take care of Adonijah. You know what that means. He's like, you're going to take him out. Because if you don't, he will try to take you out. So this is very important. What does this mean? It means you got to let self-promotion die. If you want God to do great things in your life, you have to let self-promotion die. Ad, Ad, Adonijah represented self-promotion. He said, I will be king. Did you know David also said, honestly, and I appreciate his vulnerability. He said, you know the reason he's that way? I never called him out. He said, when he was young, I should have said to him, what are you doing? What are you doing, Adonijah? In 1 Kings 1, 6, he says that. Parents, if we don't call our kids out on their selfishness, they will become selfish adults. So we have to be willing to call them out on it. And let me ask you a question too. Is there anyone in your life calling you out? Do you allow someone to call you out? Or when they call you out, do you blow them off? Just roll your eyes and, go, and just ignore them. Because the very area you're ignoring them in is probably your weakness. It's probably the very thing holding God back from blessing you. And so we have to be willing to be called out. We have to die to self-promotion. This is a big problem in our culture today with social media. I mean, just if I go to your Instagram, is it all about you? Or is it about God and other people and your life? Or is it, is it just all you? Is every angle just got to be perfect of you? I mean, would you have to be honest with you? Do we have our own Instagram pages or do we have our own little altars? Or we expect people to worship us. So we have to ask, is this about 
self-promotion. We have to be willing to say, okay, I'm not supposed to be the king of my life. God is the king of my life. So we have to humble ourselves and not make it about ourselves. I just want to challenge you with this. It's a big problem. It's a big problem even in the church. I don't want to make this about me. It's about God. The only celebrity church in limited is named Jesus Christ. And we've got to keep it that way. He is the king of kings. And in your own life, the only celebrity should be Jesus. Let's make him famous. Let's honor the Lord. And so what does this mean? Let self-promotion die. Now, that priest that Adonijah grabbed a hold of, his name was Abiathar. Abiathar was a good guy. Love the Lord. In fact, Abiathar was one of the, the original priests that helped carry the Ark of the Covenant into the right place. And so he was, uh, you know, a, a guy that really loved God and, and was trusted with, with great things. Okay. But Abiathar made a huge mistake. And as Adonijah said to him, hey, you've been loyal to my dad. Now be loyal to me. I'm going to become the next king. Would you come be my priest? And he's like, oh, okay. So what does this tell us about Abiathar? It tells us this. Abiathar was a godly guy, but he was also an idiot. Now I need to tell you something you're not going to like to hear. Okay. You are an awesome person but you're also an idiot. <laughs> so am I. And so here's what I'm trying to say. Abiathar meant right, meant to do well, was, was, was there for David, supported David. But then when David's son came along, he didn't check the facts. He didn't go, well, before you invite me to go be the priest, let me go talk to David about that. He didn't do any of that. He just was like, okay. And he just fell for this like, a, like an idiot, right? So here's my challenge for you. Where are you an idiot? Maybe you're really a godly person until we get a little alcohol involved and then you become an idiot. Maybe you love the Lord, you put them first until you go out with certain friends on a Friday night, then you become an idiot. Maybe you really honor the Lord until you have unfettered access to the internet or cable and it's late at night, no one's around, now you're an idiot. Maybe you're really honoring God, you love the Lord, but when you get on Twitter and people start popping off about their political opinions, you just start going with your thumbs and you just type things, you become an idiot. How many guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe, you know, you really are putting God first. You love the Lord, but then you get around certain friends and then you just say things you normally don't say. You go places you normally would never go. You do things you would never, you're just like, what happened? Man, I'm an idiot. And what do, we say? what do we say? We say, oh, that's not me, but it is you and me. So what does this mean for you and me? Abiathar the priest means this, let him live. This is what Solomon said. I'm going to let you live, but this is the corner you're going to stay in. You're not going to leave this neighborhood. What he was saying was, I know you meant well, but I also know you can be dumb. So you got to keep your limited life right here so you don't do anything dumb. I got to be able to keep my thumb on you. What is he saying? What does this mean for you and me? This means let boundaries live. Guys, I need to let you in on something. God's not going to kill all the pretty girls. So you're going to have to learn to just live with prettiness around you and have self-control. Or Jesus said, what? He said, lead us not into temptation. So if something's a problem, you just have to stay away from whatever that is. Does that make sense? And so, and, you know, it's like the guy who's like, I love donuts, you know, and I pray, God, you, you want me to have a donut, then you won't let there be an empty parking spot in front of the donut shop. And on the 13th time around, there's an empty spot. God wants me to have a donut. No, God does not want you to have a <laughs> So what does that mean? What's happening? What's happening is, is that we, we have weaknesses. Where is your weakness? And have you put up blockades around that area? So we're all an idiot somewhere. Figure out where that is for you and guard your life from that. Does that make sense? Just protect yourself and say, all of us can be dumb with something. Maybe, maybe you're really bad with money. Then you create some limits on your spending. Get some accountability so you're not a financial idiot 
Don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't do it to your future. So again, I don't know whether it's for you, but we all have areas like that. So let boundaries live. If you will do that, God really will protect you. And, and by all means, a donut's are a problem. Do not work at the donut shop. Okay, so <laughs> Joab was the warrior that Adonijah asked to help him out. And Joab was, the reason Adonijah knew to go for him is because Joab was not the wisest guy. He would kind of fly off the handle. In fact, at one point in scripture, we know Joab uh, actually got mad at two of David's commanders and just decided to kill him. Like, <laughs> what in the world makes you, like, they're on your team. But he was like, yeah, I just got really mad, man. Sorry, I just killed him. Like, what? And so Joab had to die. So David tells Solomon, you got to take care of Joab. Because Joab, if you don't take care of Joab, Joab will take care of you. Did you catch that? There's certain things in your life that if you don't take care of it, if you don't kill that sin, that sin will kill you. So you got to take that out. And so, so Abithar would represent boundaries of external things to be careful of. Joab would represent internal boundary. Like in other words, Joab represents internal control or a lack of self-control. So we have to have self-control. He was a powerful warrior, but he had no self-control. So if he was in a battle and he was in the right battle, he could win. He was incredible, but then you couldn't trust him. You don't know if he's going to turn on you. And so that was the problem with him. And so let me just challenge you with this. What does this mean? This means number three was Abiathar the priest, let boundaries live. Number four, Joab means let negative emotions die. This is where you got to guard, your, guard yourself from a lack of self-control. You got to choose one of two pains. You're either going to have the pain of self-control or the pain of regret. Which one do you want? One or two pains. You, you, you got to have one of them, pain of self-control or the pain of regret. You get to choose the pain you want. And by the way, what is self-control? Self-control is doing what you hate to create what you love. So we have to be willing to let negative emotions die. And so, and by the way, Joab, this is interesting. So Beniah was the, was the head of the, the mighty warriors. And so Solomon went to Beniah because Beniah was very faithful to his father too. He said, Beniah, my dad told me I got to take care of Joab. And Beniah was like, yeah, that sounds about right, sir. He goes, would you go take him out? I was like, yes, sir, I'll do it. So he hunts him down. Joab got word that, that Adonijah was, was killed. So he knew I got to be next. So he runs into the temple thinking I'm safe there. And he grabs hold of the temple horns at the altar and he's praying, oh God, protect me, right? And so Beniah is standing outside the temple and says, Joab, come out. And he's like, no. Joab, come out. Nope. So he goes back to see Solomon. He says, you won't come out of the temple. And Solomon says, okay, go to the temple, kill him there. So he dies at the altar. Let me ask you something. Do you need to die at the altar? Is there something you need to kill off? Is there something you got to say, I, I, I can't win this inner struggle, so I just got to die to it. The Bible says, take up your cross daily. So certain things in our life that you're just not going to win, you just need to admit it and just die to it. I said, I'm just never going to get over this. And so I just got to die to it. I just can't give in to this. And so this represents a lack of self-control. I want to encourage you that if you choose to follow the Lord, there's going to be things in your life you're just going to have to let go of. Places you just can't go, people you can't go out with, things you can't do. Because you just, you don't have the self-control. It's okay, just admit it. And say, God, I got to die to that area of my life. He died at the altar. And at the same time, we all have to die before the Lord and say, God, I got to give this to you because it's killing me. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my life down before you. Remember, the Bible says we're supposed to be a living sacrifice. So with God, we, we give you our life. And then the last one is a guy named Shimei. Shimei <laughs> was just a jerk. 
Don't we all know a jerk or two in our lives? Don't point across the room. But don't we all know some people who just have been jerks to us, right? So Shimei, here, just imagine David. This is when he's, he's got his band of soldiers. He's on the run from Saul. This is early in his career. He's got his big sword and sheath on him. He's got these huge bodyguards beside him. He's walking through a field. And Shimei's over here and he's just yelling, Hey, David, you're the little blah, blah, blah. He starts cussing him out and yelling at him. David just walking along, just looks at him. He looks at his soldiers and goes, No, 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 you're fine. Don't do anything. We're fine. Keep going. So he walks on by. At one point, they're like, David, did you hear him talking about you? He says, you know what? Stop. He goes, Shimei, I forgive you. Say what you want to say. I'm not going to listen to it. This happens not once, but twice. So he's walking along. Imagine David. David's a bad dude. I mean, this guy is a professional killer. Okay. He's got the soldier on. He's got the sword on his side. All these warriors around him. He's here, Shimei popping off again. David, blah, 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 blah. David's just like, mm, just keep on going. Just keep on going. Why would David do that? Why would David forgive Shimei? Here's why. Because David knew, Shimei, you're not my fight. I got a much bigger battle to fight and you're not it. Could God be saying that to someone today? He's saying, you're so focused on what someone said about you or did to you that you're missing the real fight. God's saying, got a whole future for you and you're listening to someone go, bah, 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 bah. you know what Shimei is? He is a chihuahua barking at the train going by. Bah, 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 bah. Why would you stop the train? And so just keep your, short, your sword in the sheath and walk on by. God, I hear you. And just keep on going. Don't worry about what he says. Who cares what they say? There are people in your life that are always going to be bah, 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 talking. Who cares? Their opinion of you should not matter to you. God has bigger things for you. This represents forgiveness. We have to let forgiveness live. So guess what? David forgave him twice. And then Solomon forgave him too. Now he didn't have a seat at the table. I'm not saying you should be close to these people who hurt you. But you got to let it go. Can I tell you something right now? Your ex is not your fight. Your best friend who hurts you is not your fight. The company that fired you is not your fight. Your future is too big. Keep your sword in its sheath and focus on your future. Don't let one person's opinion or how they hurt you stop you from the future God has for you. Have you seen the math on forgiveness in the Bible? It's crazy. Jesus says, forgive him. How many times, Jesus? Like one, five, seven. Oh, seven times. No, no. 70 what? Times seven. I'm like, 490 times. Now, I want you to imagine forgiving someone 490 times. I'd be like, okay, was it 236 or 237 today? I can't remember which, which. I would get confused. How about you? You'd be like, I would just lose count. And that's the point is that forgiveness is not keeping score. It's losing count. In fact, you may want to write this down. Forgiveness is trusting that the worst in someone else can bring out the best in you. Maybe God's going to use this in your life when someone continues just to talk their smack and say what they want to say and do what they want to do when you just say, I'm not, it's not my fight. God is teaching you discipline to not get distracted by small-minded people. Amen. Stay focused on what God has for your life. And if you will do that, God will do great things for you because when God can trust you, there's nothing he won't give you. You want to live the life of Solomon? It's real simple. You got to let generosity live. You got to let self-promotion die. You got to let boundaries live. You got to let negative emotions die and you got to let forgiveness live. And if you'll do that, then God says, because you asked for wisdom, I'll throw in the other stuff. There is nothing when God trusts you, that he won't give you. Will you be trustworthy?
Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed? It's God speaking to you today. Did you hear that crazy math? 70 times 7. Jesus forgives us again and again and again and again. I mean, I, I bet by the end of the day, I was, oh, Jesus, I blew it again. God, forgive me, and God will. His forgiveness is that amazing. Have you received Christ? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer across all of our churches right now. Those who are watching online, you can give your life to Jesus. Here's how you do it. Just pray this prayer with us. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, just lift your hand high right now across all of our campuses right now. If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Would you do that? No one's looking around. Praise God. Thank you. We see your hands. Praise God. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. Hold your hands high. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you, Rockport. All the way there in Padre Island. Praise God. In our prison ministry, hold your hand high. Praise God. We thank God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Those who are online with us right now, you can put in the text chat. Just text right now, my hands raised, or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. You put your hands down. Maybe today your prayer is to say, God, there's some things that have to die in my life. If that's you, just be honest with God. Just hold your hand high and say, God, I'm going to let that die. Just let God know. I, I know i got to let that anger go. I know I got to let that, that, that idiot side of me has to go. God, I know you can't bless me until I can be trustworthy. So Lord, today I choose to become trustworthy. Lord, I don't want to owe you. God, I want to bring the tithe to you. I want to bring my prayer life to you, my dedication to your house. Lord, I don't want to owe you. Lord, I want to, I want to get involved so we can grow further and closer together than ever before, God. I want to be trustworthy. Father, thank you that your word teaches us through the life of Solomon that if we will just obey you, there's nothing you won't do for us if we'll make our life about you. Thank you, Father. No more self-promotion. Now we're gonna do what you want us to do. We will serve you, Lord. So we doubt of ourselves and we put you in charge. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.